The latest poll numbers for Trump are so devastating that Republicans are telling Fox News that he is in a, quote, fragile state and may drop out if the polls don't get better. Ow! You all right? They said they were gonna let me train in Russia. There is a new far-left fascism that demands absolute allegiance. If you do not speak its language, perform its rituals, recite its mantras, and follow its commandments. Why can't you change your thinking? Everybody else does. We can't change what we are. It's not going to happen to us. The president is behind and behind by a lot. He'll claim the whole thing is rigged before he drops out. That is why I am deploying federal law enforcement to protect our monuments, arrest the rioters, and prosecute offenders to the fullest extent of the law. You read the papers. You know what everybody says. It's suicide! You can't win! I just gotta do what I gotta do. I gotta leave this The Born to Be Mild Podcast. Hey, hello, and welcome back to another brand new edition of Born to Be Mild for the week of July 5th, 2020. I've got Ron Cabuno here. He's got me, Peter Crawford, here. Ron, we've been at this since the beginning of 2020, aka the pile of loose stool in history's punch bowl meaning we are now a half a year old. What do we have planned for our six-month anniversary? Well, Pete, uh, glad to have you back, first of all. And um, to celebrate the six months, we've got a giant (laughs) buffet of bad stories once again to talk about. Um, You know, and even though I've been reading up on some of the insidious reasons the colonists decided to secede from England in the first place, and that's mainly to keep slavery and to be able to expand westward over the Appalachians and kill Native Americans indiscriminately, I was able to compartmentalize all of that horror and indeed have a lovely Fourth of July. My little family uh, decided to do a dumb thing and come and visit my in-laws down here in South Carolina, as we had planned months ago when COVID was already a thing, but Myrtle Beach wasn't the epicenter of stupidity and spread. Uh, But we've been doing a great job of staying clear of damn near everybody else besides our parents, uh, who have been in strict quarantine modes themselves since the outbreak. So all is well in the South for now. I even... Played in a foursome this morning in the blistering sun with a couple of Trumpy uh, dudes my father-in-law knows. And I live to tell the tale. Everything's fine. (laughs) Um, So uh, how about you? Uh, It's been a week and a half. Long time no talk. What's been going on? Um, Not a whole lot. We had uh, uh, Grace had some family in town for various reasons. And I uh, personally came down with a little bit of a cold again, which is very unfortunate. But uh, I really didn't get to do anything on the 4th when it was the 4th of July, when I wasn't going to do anything anyway. <laughs> so, it, not really that much of an impact on me. Fortunately, uh, everyone in my neighborhood uh, has been under the impression that the last two weeks have been the 4th of July every night for about <laughs> four hours. Yeah. So, I got to hear and see my share of fireworks for maybe the next decade or so. 
Honestly, I think I saw a meme coming around that said, my neighbor has apparently spent $23,000 personally on fireworks. <laughs> and I think everyone's neighbor has done that, right? Yeah, and it's not like I don't live in a, a highly residential area or anything, right? I mean, I'm only in downtown Columbus, so... Right, and I'm in these the, things are landing. <laughs> I'm in the suburbs of Youngstown, or at least on the west side of it, and I gave my neighbors next door till 10 o'clock a couple of nights in a row this week, and then I was going to have to go over there, but luckily they were playing it cool and being a little bit respectful, even though my, uh, my baby usually goes to bed about 8 or 8.30. So she's had a couple of, of, you know, late nights because of all the quote-unquote celebrations, which all the celebrations are landing in my yard. But um, <laughs> it's cool, man. It's going to be a pass that I'm giving them to celebrate uh, the the independence of this country, however they see fit. About 10 o'clock is a blessing. Uh, I had fireworks <laughs> blown out here till about 2 a.m. Yeah, absolutely. And they're definitely not uh, part of some kind of Russian conspiracy to keep unrest amongst the citizenry. I think they're just people who really love things to go bang. Yeah, I don't think we have that many Russians here. So No, not there, but you never know about um, in the protest zones and in New York City, there have been some rumors circulating that that's where some of the funding for all of these pyrotechnics has been coming. You never know. Um, this week we're going to talk about Trump's absurd and incendiary speech at the base of Mount Rushmore, um, the about face that we've had some GOP leadership making in terms of COVID raging in their locations, and also quite a bit of change taking place in the culture overall, including some name changes to sporting teams that we might be familiar with, Correct. and uh, some serious alterations to the starts of the seasons and leagues um, either brave enough or stupid enough to try and go forward with their seasons. Um, but one stalwart of sport and patriotism came through amid the upheaval of normal order. <laughs> and that was none other than Mr. Joey Jaws Chestnut. He is, once again, the Nathan's famous hot dog eating champion. And it went on in the most surrealist of settings. There was nobody in the building except for the production crew and the announcer guy. Chestnut won his 13th title with a, a blazing speed of, I think it was 11 and a half hot dogs per minute at one point, ending up with another record, 75 HDB, which 75. stands for hot dogs and buns. Um, it was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, you had all... You had only six people competing on the men's side and five on the women's because one of the women wasn't able to make the trip to New York because of travel restrictions from where she was at in Arizona, which is crazy enough. But you had the the competition itself taking place in an undisclosed location, so none of the fans were able to come and try and break in to support their famous eater. Um, and he did. He came through once again and left everybody in the dust. You had Badlands Booker was there as always, but missing in action was a couple of favorites like Eater X mm -hmm. and your favorite, Matt Megatoad Stoney. Love Stoney. Now, I didn't realize this because I'm not that great with history usually, but he was the last person to defeat Chestnut. Now, Chestnut was going for his ninth consecutive title back in 2015 yep. where he lost to Stoney. Lost the mustard belt. Exactly. And so I think he's been on a tear ever since. Last year it was really, really hot, so he, he wasn't able to keep doing a personal best. But this year he came out and he ate his way through these MFers. Yeah, he's been on fire ever since. Uh, 
there was something going on the year that Stoney won it. Uh, he was uh, going through like he was sick, or like his uh, his girlfriend had cancer or something horrible. Right. Um, and so it was kind of a, a you know it was kind of a asterisk win if you want to call it that. But he came I back the, the following year and absolutely stoned <laughs> Stony, <laughs> destroyed him. Yeah, and so I heard this year that he was having a really tough time and was a little bit depressed practicing by eating 30 and 40 hot dogs at a sitting, not knowing if the competition was even going to go on. <laughs> Wait, I can imagine that'd be the case. He doesn't just do that for fun anyway? I don't know. I mean, I think his stomach expansion exercises take place intermittently throughout the year, and they happen to be on whatever food he's got to compete with next. So, right. you know, like he'll sit down to 50 crystal burgers or a couple pounds of birthday cake, you know, depending oh, on what's coming up next. But like, yeah, the hot dog thing is probably takes a special place in his heart and in his colon. Um, and, you know, that's that's something that you got to have the will to do, not just the stomach for yeah, he's obviously, um, I, I hesitate still to call them athletes, but they actually are athletes. And what, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what they do takes real physical talent, actual preparation, athletic ability. All of it goes into this. And uh, this dude, he prepares for different foods. Doesn't he have like the, the corn on the cob? And it's also an outrageous number. Of corn on the cob that he finished. It's something absurd. Yeah. So when you look at the numbers, you just have to look twice every time you see it, no matter what it is. Because it's like, yeah. oh, I ate 200 oysters in five seconds. <laughs> like, <all right. laughs> right, exactly. I guess I have you to believe you because I've seen you eat the other things real fast. You said 30 Crystal Burgers. I guarantee it's more like 90. It is. They're so tiny. But I mean, that's what I mean. It's just like an amuse-bouche for him. Um, right, right. <laughs> so my questions now, these are athletes in the sense that they are working muscles, albeit smooth versus striated like we normally would imagine. They're preparing their bodies physically for a, a feat that the rest of us are unable to do. Correct. And some of us aspire to do, but we are all in awe of in one way or another. Oh, yeah. And in 10 minutes, I could probably take down four hot dogs. Ten, oh, come on, man. You could do better than that. What could you actually do if you had to pound them down and you had to dip them in the Kool-Aid if necessary? What do you think you could put away in 10 minutes? 10 minutes? Maybe eight. Maybe. Oh, my God. You can't put away a dog a minute? Dude, have you ever tried it? It's really hard. I mean, I might slow down by the eighth minute, but I definitely could keep a dog a minute pace for the first eight. I, I right. Yeah, I think I could do 10 and 10. We'll have to settle this uh, either over the Zoom or something. I, yeah, I got to see you do 10. 10 is a lot more than you think. My buddy Dennis, who is a monster eater, was only able to do 12. Now, I've seen Dennis do the double Chipotle before, way back yeah. in the day. And he eats fast, too. I mean, right. nothing slows him down. He doesn't fill up. So but, he's got uh, volume and pace on his side. Right. So we're thinking he's going to go up there and do a ton. <laughs> he only put down like 12. Wow. All right. All right. I'm wondering if I would do better with or without mustard, just because the, the flavor will keep me interested. Um. I, I think I would do better with, but yeah. again, I mean, does it matter when you're you're eating soaking wet bread? And I mean, everything is disgusting. So, yeah, it definitely would have to be soaking wet bread because that that expansion and that chew time probably cuts into your your abilities. Right. Now, um, first question for you is: Did you have any dogs yesterday? And the second question I have is: Do you believe Joey Chestnut is the greatest athlete of all time? Uh, no, I did not have hot dogs yesterday. Uh, I eat hot dogs all the time, though. So I don't oh, know okay. That. Yeah, we I, we have a freezer full of uh, 
either Nathan's Famous or uh, Hebrew National at any given time. Gotta have the all beef. But um, Oh yeah, Heb Natties are great. Yes. Uh, d- no, I didn't have dogs yesterday, and is he the greatest athlete of all time? And Like I said, it's hard for me, even though I'm admitting to myself and to you and to everyone listening that these are athletes, mm-hmm. am I going to sit here and say that this guy's a greater ath- athlete than uh, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali? Jim Brown. Yeah. I, Tiger I, Woods. I, I don't think I can put him up there in terms of... Uh, in, in terms of dominance in his sport, yeah, he's up there. But right. in terms of uh, uh, great athletes, you know, I, I can't I can't add him to that list, no. That's fair. I mean, only because we have a certain perception of what an athlete is coming from our culture. Um, Absolutely. No, with, this is definitely a skewed uh, perspective I'm giving you here because <laughs> it's not like I grew up with uh, a bunch of uh, hot dog eating contest cards in a tops package <laughs> with the stick of uh, the pink gum. <laughs> no, so, we definitely grew up in more of a go fast, hit ball far culture. And, yeah, uh, that's baseball, what we, football, basketball. So, yeah, no doubt. Now, speaking of the greatest, the greatest windbag ever to hold political office anywhere since probably Benito Mussolini. Who could this uh, be? Has he's been making a little deunification his the center of his campaign once again? Uh, the Trump man, he is out in full force, and. Um, this American Carnage Part Two was on display in uh, in Mount Rushmore National Park. Uh, did you happen to catch any of that one? I I saw all kinds of stuff from it. Yeah, it looked yeah. like it was madness. It was nice. Yeah, so it was another seven thousand maskless rowdy automatons sitting there soaking up divisive language and lies like never before. Or like once again, as we might say. But he just keeps making it worse and worse. Uh, This time he's really trying to turn the tide and his people, so to speak, against the left in general. And he's uh, making a hell of a straw man out of everyone who opposes him. So we're all lumped in and we're all the enemy now. That's kind of been his MO for quite a while now. Um, Because he's always, uh, he's surrounded by people who are opposing him. My favorite pictures from um, that entire uh, uh, affair were the indigenous people, the American Indians who were there, uh, or Native Americans who were there uh, to protest. And they had like blocked off roads and stuff with uh, vans that they took the, the tires off of. Mm-hmm. And so it was actually a chore for him to, to get his, uh, his little minions in there to listen to him talk about MAGA. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, we're always going to be the straw men at this point because his entire path to victory has been based on divisiveness and so that's how he's going to continue with this uh, campaign this year i completely agree um what you're seeing though is that there is the fervor on his side so i know that his um his current campaign director brad parscal put out uh, a little fact sheet that's basically meant to scare us all straight, hopefully, um, saying that he's got the best percentage turnout and that his midterm primary result or, you know, his second term primary results are through the roof being compared to Obama's second term and Bush's second term. That's horseshit right there. Well, what it is is um, just a testament to how turnout and fervor is behind this man. So, the reason he never drops below 40, or at least not until recently, is because these people are there with him through hell and high water. They are. And once again, you have a candidate 
who is less than perfect and less than charismatic on the uh, on the other side. Now, not nowhere near the dislikability factor that uh, you know Hillary Clinton was bringing to the election last time around, and um, actually uh, to the opposite, he's quite likable, just not very present, so to speak, right now, or maybe at all. But um, what you do have is a dislike factor of the incumbent that was not even there when it was basically two new people vying for the the, the spot. Yeah. So, I, you know, you're going to have so many more people coming to the polls, hopefully, just to unseat this man. It, like, as, like we've been saying for months, it doesn't matter if it's a sock puppet running against him. Yeah, it's a completely different climate now. Um Trump was the unknown at the time, and people were having this this moment of, uh, well, we need a guy who's not a politician in there. This guy, you know, he's get the politics out of politics. And Trump came out with all of this, drain the swamp and all this, and he's really let his base down on pretty much every single one of those promises. And, but like you said, you know, they support him like he's their their own son. Like this man can do no wrong. And they stick by him, and they're going to stick by him all the way through the election. You have to vote for the, or you have to hope, excuse me, for the moderate vote, and you have to really hope that the progressives this time actually come out and vote, and that's going to make the difference in the entire election. So it will, and like we've been saying, that he's been able to shed himself of supporters just by being himself. So, like you said, we're looking at this as a, an experiment, so to speak, where we needed to shake things up and get a quote-unquote businessman, albeit a terrible failed businessman, into the most important office in the world just to see if he can turn the tide around. Now, he has in terms of deregulation and basically entrenching himself for enrichment from here on out with uh, other countries of the world, and it's basically been all about him. But the people who have fallen off and fallen out of, out of his favor have just come back to bite him again and again. You got the Lincoln Project putting out amazing ads. Now, the first one that I love this week was the Russian one. Did you see these? Yeah, I saw them all. Oh, my God. They, they're getting better and better. Um, that, that, that one was really good. Uh, I'm sitting here and I was trying to watch because I had to read the subtitles. <laughs> I'm trying to watch the screen too because the entire thing was put together really well. So I ended up watching it twice. Oh, it was gorgeous. And it was full of all that classic Russia propaganda artwork. Had that great Russian chant going on in the background. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, yeah. And then all the pictures of all the comrades and just thanking him for uh, accepting their help once more, just as he did in 2016. Yeah. Because these are truths, right? It's not like we're embellishing anything. He was openly asking for help from anyone, and he got it from just such places. Sure, and it's hyperbolized. It's propaganda. You know, it's supposed to be that way. But th we're not exactly trying to, to, to sell you uh, beachfront property in Arizona here. I mean, this is actual things that occurred during the last election. It's being done in an over-the-top way. And it's being done that way on purpose because people need to understand these are things that happened and they're being told to you by a group of Republicans who don't like Trump. Yeah, and who want their conservative moniker back for all that it is still worth. That's right. They want to restore some honor to their party. I can understand that. And so the other one that I was looking at was an ex-Navy SEAL who's basically 
at the end, letting you know, listen, I am still a pro-life, pro-Second Amendment dude, just like you guys, but there's no way anyone in <laughs> anyone with half a brain could still support this guy after what he's done betraying the people uh, in, in the service. No, it's hilarious. We're living in... Uh... <laughs> Maybe the most calamitous period in the last 100 years or so, roughly, um, at minimum, maybe more. And we've got a man in the office who's trying to celebrate himself and continue to absolve any responsibility or accountability for anything that happens and throw himself up on a pedestal and throw a parade for, for his reelection. And it the, it's astonishing to me. That he still has people coming up and saying, yeah, he's doing a great job. Like, what about right now is great? Did I miss something here? They're living in a fantasy world. And just hearing people make excuses and equivocate for this Russian bounty gate stuff is the end-all be-all of telling me that you are so in the tank for this man that he can do no wrong. Yeah, you're entrenched within a conservative ideology that cannot be punctured by any truth no, be it be it liberal, conservative, or just the real truth. None of that is going to break through your walls. <laughs> it's like as if every one of his supporters is the guy that got shot in the face by Dick Cheney. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. I shouldn't have been standing there. Just walking around <laughs> shooting people in the face back to back. And getting apologies from them for it. <laughs> Didn't mean to get in the way of your buckshot, sir. Unbelievable! <laughs> what, like, all right, but so unsurprisingly, Colin pa Colin Kaepernick has a different take on the Fourth of July, <laughs> Sli slightly different take. <laughs> yeah, and so I thought it was very interesting because I do like to, you know, take in all sides on this, and he usually has some nuggets of truth that are worth listening to. Um, sure. So he shared James Earl Jones's recitation of Frederick Douglass's "What to a Slave Is the Fourth of July" speech. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like a lot of things in this current moment, I have not heard of this shit because I am not learned enough. But I'll tell you what, it included the lines, Fellow citizens, pardon me, allow me to ask, why am I called upon to speak here today? What have I, or those that I represent, to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? I mean, you couldn't put it more succinctly than that. If you're looking at the three-fifths rule or you're looking at uh, continuation in the slavery in the South, uh, there was nothing extended to them that seemed like they were afforded the same liberties that the, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution provided to uh, the white men in this country. No, not at all. The, uh, we, we were just talking about uh, Juneteenth, and what a great day it must have been for, for all the black men out there to find out that they're three-fifths of one white man. Oof. So, I mean, Kaepernick tweeted, uh, black people have been dehumanized, brutalized, criminalized, and terrorized by America for centuries and are expected to join your commemoration of quote-unquote independence while you enslaved our ancestors. We reject your celebration of white supremacy and look forward to liberation for all. Now, I'm not saying I'm 100% on board with uh, how strong his message is, but I understand it. Right. So it's more about just understanding the viewpoint and you don't have to get on board with the message. It's the same thing that you're seeing when Trump wants to demonize people who want to take a, a second look at when we commemorate people like Thomas Jefferson. It's You have to say that you understand it. If you're woke enough to do so, then you're a proud person who can also empathize with other people's plight. 
That's all we're trying to do. Right. There's no moment in history that is uh, immune to scrutiny. And we should always be looking back through a magnifying glass to make sure that we don't repeat, repeat the mistakes of our past. So, <laughs> Yeah. So, like, uh, that brought to mind, I was just wondering, you ever feel like you're part of a group that doesn't want you in it? <laughs> like, I, I mean, as in, in terms of people of color being considered Americans, but they don't feel like they're part of the American experiment. Right. They're, they're, they're just not, the yeah. byproduct of it or something. I mean, that well, that's part of a privilege, you know. I, I grew up a, uh, a, you know, relatively higher middle class, good looking, athletic white dude, and I no, you're not. So the cards me. were stacked against you. Yeah, it was is rough. what you're saying. Yeah, it was rough, um, and I got good grades on top of it. So you know, it, not even like I worked hard for them. I was definitely the epitome of privilege, and I understand that, and I recognize it, and I I have to accept it. I've got to eat it because I'm never going to know what it's like to be brought over on a boat and work for a plantation that my kids are going to work for after I die. Oh yeah, if you're lucky to be able to stay together as a family and not have it have it broken up and and right. people sold. Right. People sold. <laughs> Let's talk about that, right? Yeah, Jesus. being sold. And then your big reward is supposed to be on Juneteenth when you find out that you're exactly 60% of a human being. Mm-hmm. A bit of a consolation prize, to put it mildly. So, yeah, injustices that uh, are still going on, obviously, based on what we've experienced over the last month, uh, everything that's happened, and, you know, it's time for some of the violence to stop. But the message has been spoken, and it's, I think, I'm hoping, not just with police brutality, but America in general, takes this as another big wake-up call. And they look at something like what Cap is saying, and even though I think his views may be a bit extreme, you've got to understand, recognize, and listen to what the man is saying, because there's credence to it. Yeah, I think, though, that you are probably in the minority of people with your specific type and uh, path towards an upbringing. Like, how many, you know, people of well of means, are white, good-looking, grades, ever have the ability to look into the mirror and face up with the privilege that they've been extended? Uh, it's really difficult. Well, it was to, me, Donald Trump, both of us did. Um, yeah, so he did He did it well, but I think he's actually reversed a lot of that reflection that he might have had in an earlier time. Oh, wait, he never had any. That's right. He never acknowledged it because he's under the impression, like so many people who were in my position, that everything they got, they earned. Equal playing field. Sure it is. Absolutely. And so all the other people who like his message and never got any of the things he wanted want nothing more than just to keep everyone else down uh, and, and not to shine, essentially. Um, Sorry, I had to take a drink of water there. <laughs> no, you're good. I'm feeling a bit parched myself. I think a nap that I took after golfing this morning took a lot of my hydration out of me. Yeah. So uh, we're rolling along here good, though. Um no, so um, one thing I wanted to bring up, speaking of Kaepernick, is that the NFL decided this year, for week one at least, that they're going to have the quote-unquote black national anthem played right before the Star-Spangled Banner. Um, yeah, I saw that. I don't know if you've ever heard of this song. I had not heard it either. I have not. I, I Well, I've heard it now, but <laughs> this was the first time I'd ever heard it, so... 
So it's called Lift Every Voice and Sing. Um, lift Every Voice and Sing Till Earth and Heaven Ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory's won. That's pretty fucking great. It's every bit as good as uh, anything Francis Scott Key has ever written. And, I mean, now, if anyone has ever heard um, uh, Ray Charles's version of America the Beautiful... Uh, you cannot tell me that any iteration, even Whitney Houston's Star Spangled Banner, is better than that song. I'm sorry. that's For my money, that should be the national anthem. Just that version? No, no, no. Well, I mean, like, anyone singing America the Beautiful is so so wonderful and so heartwarming that okay. um, I thought it, you meant it doesn't... Like Im- that. I, I, I like both songs. I thought you meant that Ray Charles himself, that version... Because sure. like, to me, the default of the uh, the national anthem is going to be that 1988 Super Bowl with Whitney Houston. So, <laughs> as it should be, because nobody hits those ridiculous notes that should never be in any song as well as she does. She killed it out there in that tracksuit. Yeah, but you need like six octaves range to even complete the song properly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think she has five octaves. So. But, um, yeah, so I think it's really cool that they're going to be doing that at least for week one just to show that they are all on board for now and for what it's worth and at least as long as the uh, three-game season lasts, (laughs) you know, with the movement. Right. uh, We can talk about how that's even going to happen a little later in the show. Yeah, I'm still Um, uh, skeptical about uh, football in general. Hopeful, but, uh, you know... Cautiously optimistic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> watching all of these uh, cases start to resurge, and well, they never stop surging, but making huge surges right now. Uh, not, not a very encouraging thing. And uh, I guarantee, after this weekend, the pictures I saw on social media, there was not any social distancing or mask wearing going on anywhere. So I'm going to guess in a week or two we're going to see another huge spike. Yes, it's very possible. Um, but I'll tell you what we won't see this year is a team called the Redskins playing in the NFL. Well, I've heard that for about 20 years. Right, but this time we finally have 100 or 200 or $300 million worth of corporate sponsorship backing up that movement. So Dan Snyder might actually have to take his ball and go home uh, in terms of his affinity for the moniker. Mm-hmm. Uh What's your take on that? What do you think about the Redskins? Uh, Well, if you ask him, which a lot of people have done over the years, he actually has been known apparently to have a poll in his pocket, so to speak, from the Washington Post asking actual Native Americans if they find that name to be offensive. And it was like overwhelmingly, no, they don't. But are they saying that just to say that? What poll, Who? What tribe did they ask? Um, and I've I've heard actual Native American people, Indigenous people, call themselves uh, not red skins but red people, and so it's uh, 
when you when you say Redskins, it's not exactly like you're calling the Florida State Seminoles. You're not being specific about the tribe in that location, which if you wanted to do so, if you wanted to call yourselves the Ottawas or whatever the hell, the Wyandots, that's cool because it's it's factual and it's not slanderous in some circles, whereas Redskins completely is. And um, when I think about it, I, I think about Chief Wahoo. We can, we can get to that, but I, I think that it's more of a caricature and a slander, a slanderous term, it's a slur, than than a tribute. Yeah, it's more of a slur. Uh, and they do. I, there are you know instances of Native Americans referring to themselves as red people, uh, but you you also hear uh, Asian people. They may refer to themselves as having yellow skin. But they're not going to be like we're the yellow faces. Mm-mm. It, it, there's there's just a it's a subtle difference um, between the two. I find Redskins to be more offensive personally uh, than I do the Cleveland Indians. That may be mm-hmm. because I'm an Indians fan, but I very also, possibly. I I also understand that I, a lot of these people who are being overtly offended are not even Native American descent. It, it is a lot of really loud white people who were uh, crying for change. Now, I can't prove that, but that that's why Snyder used to carry that, or, or maybe still does carry that pole around, because it always seems like it's some kind of a, a loudmouth looking for change who's not even really a Native American, rather than someone speaking for themselves saying, hey, I'm super offended by your moniker. Yeah, but I think a lot of times when you have oppressed people in one way or another, they are just so used to getting shit on that they're like, there's no way we're going to be able to get all these stupid-ass white people on the right side of history. Right. So they just throw their hands in the air. You know, like, if it's- you would ask black people, because there's a lot of woke white people speaking on their behalf these days, such as these two <laughs> idiots on the mics right now, you know, like, are we are we really the, the people who would love to affect change the most or, or be the best at it? No, absolutely not. But if you can at least bolster the message by two voices, you feel like you're on the right side of the argument. Yeah, or on the left and side. And that's where we should case. all be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, I mean, the the actual picture of the red skin on the helmet, mm-hmm. the, the Indian, it's not even a fucking Indian. Why do we keep saying that? You know what I mean? It's like, it's a Native American. Right. Um, and it's not even that. It's an indigenous person. So the picture on the side of the helmet is far less offensive than Chief Wahoo. So if you switched it over to the Washington Warriors or something like that, that would be a little bit better. Um, and you would probably be able to keep the artwork, whereas Chief Wahoo had to go away because that dude was not cool, especially the older iterations of it. Yeah, it was a caricature, uh, without a doubt. We talked about uh, Mickey Rooney a couple weeks ago and um, playing the role of the Asian man in Breakfast at Tiffany's. And that's that's how Wahoo felt with those big teeth, that big grin. I don't even know that that those are stereotypes that belong to Indian appearances, but... It's it's uh it was definitely something that I th- it meant a lot to me growing up, but I was okay with letting go of it because I understood that is that really the portrayal you want out there? How well, I- it was okay growing up because cartoons are okay growing up, and that's essentially what it was. Right, and we're talking the 1980s, so it's <laughs> yeah. a slightly different time, uh, even though it was only a couple decades ago. But um, as for yeah, I, I agree with you the. Uh, the Redskins' uh, actual helmets, I don't find that logo to be all that offensive. It actually looks kind of proud. 
So if they did oh, rename yeah. it to something like the Warriors or um, the Iroquois or whatever, I'm not sure exactly what tribes uh, were in Inhabited that Inhabited that area, yeah, sure. I'm not up in my history enough there. But um, something like that, that would be great. However, to trick your subject when it comes to the Cleveland Indians, because as we just said, Indians isn't even an accurate term. Mm-hmm. Indians are from India. So we're just following uh, Christopher Columbus's uh, nomenclature process. Yeah, which was folly. Yes. So what what do you think there? Because there is a lot of talk about taking away the name of the Indians too. Um, I don't know because I think that we in in the Ohio area would probably settle for something way dumber and way more corporatized. Like uh, we got a, a hockey team and decided to name them the Blue Jackets, so that's a fail. Um, any of the Cleveland soccer teams are have crappy names. That's all soccer teams, though. So, right. Um, <laughs> that's true. But like, yeah, you don't want to name anything the Red Bull. Um, no, <laughs> it's terrible. And it, I shared this link with you. I it was it's the most convoluted story. The way the Indians actually got their names, and the simple story is that it was in tribute to a Native American player who played for the team. Um. His last name was Sock Alexis. If anybody wants to look up this story, it's pretty wild, um, because he ends up having trouble with alcohol after hitting like 444 and being absolutely amazing for a couple years, and then he runs through a window in some kind of uh, hotel or something, injures his leg. He's never the same since. Um, the Cleveland team was the Spiders for a while, and then they were the Naps, named after Nap LaJoy, who's known as the most famous baseball card in history of the world, a couple million dollars or something back in the day when they had the, the big prices. But it, it's a wild ride to how they ended up on the Indians' name. I think it was some kind of by consensus of sports writers or something to that effect. And um, there were slurs in the stands as soon as they decided to change the name. So you don't want people going out and saying scalp them when the uh, Native American player has a bad game or something like that. Yeah. It's wild. And I, I just don't trust that they're going to do something. Uh, they're going to, they're probably going to end up with calling them the Cleveland rockers. And then we'll just have a terrible picture of the rock and roll hall of fame on the Jersey. And that'll be that. Isn't there already a rockers? In I don't know. What's, Is there, what's the name of the WNBA team? Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, now I think is that for the jazz? Maybe the the female version of the jazz. The it might jazz. be. I, I yeah, I don't know. The Cleveland Rockers would be terrible. Uh, what would you think about just keeping the name the tribe, the Cleveland tribe? Is that offensive? I think that's pretty cool. I I think I'm okay with that, and because a tribe doesn't, you don't own the word tribe. I mean, the tribes we're I'm, we're all from a tribe somewhere. Germanic tribes, Irish tribes. They you know they the tribe can refer to anything. It's just a group of people. So we could retain a little bit of the the old style of what we are, but still keep an honorable uh, impression of a, sure. of a group that's been uh, subjugated. Now, I don't know how offensive this is, but they do have the one hat that just has the feather, right? It's freaking, it's way cool. Yeah, I like so, it. So, like, there's no reason not to be able to keep that, or if you wanted to do some kind of respectful silhouette of a caricatured Native American, so to speak... Um, that would probably fly a little bit better. And as long as you're talking about just calling the, the, the tribe, which they've been known you know, as slang forever, mm-hmm. you wouldn't lose that much. And um, 
that, I mean, maybe they would want to completely uh, change it just so they could get all new gear in people's hands. But that seems like a nice middle ground. Um, I think that compromise. you play, Yeah, you placate to enough of both sides at that point that maybe you, you can get away with it. I'll tell you, I've heard some really bad ones, like the uh, the wild things, in honor of uh, <laughs> of, of, of Charlie, Charlie Sheen's Sheen. character. Yeah, in a major league. That so, seems like the uh, the flavor town equivalent of renaming does. the team. <laughs> it does. It's like when the Anaheim Mighty Ducks came out. It was like, really, guys? You're going to be the yeah. Mighty Ducks? All right. Well, the mouse owns everything, so they get to pick. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Disneyland's here, guys. Sorry, we're going to say it's Mighty Ducks. Um, yeah, and no, you don't get to play for Gordon Bombay. You guys are going <laughs> to suck for a while. You're going to be awful for a really long time. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would be for Tribe. Uh, that would be my pick, but um, obviously I'm not in charge of the entire thing, so we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, that is interesting, and I think what's even more interesting is that even though the Chief Wahoo symbol and the name of the team has been an issue for quite some time, it still feels a little proactive in that people weren't banging down the doors or, or had pitchforks at the gate just yet for the name change. They just you know, took the temperature of the room with what was going on with the Washington football team and decided to start moving in that direction on their own. Uh, so I got to commend them at least for that because it sounds like they're going to have maybe a new name in short order. Yeah, it's a progressive movement for sure. I'm curious to see where it goes because, I mean, that's both of our baseball teams. So Hell yeah. It would be really nice to uh, hold on to some kind of tradition. I really, really don't want to be the Cleveland Rockers. <laughs> no, but we're going to get to listen to old Tom Hamilton call games for the Cleveland whatevers pretty soon. So that'll be nice. Yeah, I am excited for any kind of baseball. Um, all right, so before we get back to actual politics, have you heard that Mr. Kanye West is now running for president with the endorsement of Elon Musk? Yeah, Elon Musk supporting him. Um, that's kind of funny. <laughs> two, two troll extraordinaires. Two absolute stable geniuses <laughs> C- could be going up against another. One of them, well, they're they're both actually geniuses they in both, their own they right. They both actually are geniuses. That's the thing. Stable, sad, yeah. stable, debatable. But, um, yeah, they're both actual geniuses, yes. Uh, this is a publicity move on his part. Uh, For sure. It, it, he's going to, I mean, and the, it'll fizzle out, I'm guessing, and two months it'll be he'll, before the summer's over uh it won't even be talk he's got a new album dropping soon and this is this is going to help him out but um if he were to take it seriously it could be a danger because it could potentially draw away uh some of the african-american vote from uh the left and that would help out trump and as we know uh kanye west is a known trump supporter he is. And so what was funny is that I didn't know if he was having an insurgency against his favorite Republican or what, but I thought he said at the outset he was going to try and primary him on the Republican side. And then uh, I think we found out that he can't do that because, you know, it's already in the bag for Trump for one. Right. And so <laughs> he's got to be an independent. But then most of the states already have their ballots set and he can't get on those. So even if he wanted to see this thing through, he'd only be able to be an independent in half the states, and the rest would have to write him in. And I don't think that's going anywhere, so it sounds like it's just to sell a couple of records. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. It'll fizzle out by the time uh, summer is over, I would imagine, possibly even in the next couple of weeks. 
but uh, it's kind of scary to think about the fact that um, he could like get Ellen DeGeneres on his ticket and there would be enough idiots on the left that would vote that ticket because it's Kanye and Ellen that it could swing the election. I honestly believe that. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're already, if you already have a um, reality TV star in the White House, you see that it can be done and that all it takes is to make this a popularity contest. So if you take some people who are at the height of popularity in a couple disparate avenues of American society, Mm -hmm. you can have it coalesce into a real number. Right. It could be a real problem. And that is that is sick, sad world. Speaking of a sick, sad world, yes, uh, there is a <laughs> there is a potential that Donald Trump could lose the election and still not leave the office. Oh God, yeah. So this Newsweek article or write up is really really scary. Now I did read um, a couple weeks ago that it's in the uh, Constitution that a new president has to be in office by this certain time, which means the other guy has got to be out by this certain time. So if for some reason there was some discrepancy in terms of the voting, he would have to be out um, by a certain time. But but this, this article shows this path to keeping the presidency that is just really really scary and it's a it's a course of events that is actually all available to him as president yeah uh, it was aired on hbo um it's called the plot against america uh based on a novel by philip roth uh basically about how a, a president of authoritarian power could use his emergency powers to keep control or in this case grab control of the united states government even though he lost the election Mm-hmm. We've got a, an attorney general right now, William Barr, who has an extreme view of uh, how much uh, power the president has. And uh, under these circumstances, considering what's going on, Biden could win the popular vote. He could win the all the swing states. He could win uh, the uh, electoral. But Trump could declare a national emergency that voting was rigged that there was mail-in ballot frauds, which we already know he wants to talk about, and that the Chinese were behind it because what aren't the Chinese behind? Hacking the right. election. And, and so then, then you bring it to you bring it back to Barr. Right. Because once you put it in his hands, then he's allowed to put it in the hands of all the state's uh, representative bodies. And as we see, it's like twenty four or twenty six to twenty four Republican right now. Mm-hmm. So if they can stall long enough and then you have to have them uh, meet and vote on whether or not to give them the uh, Electoral College votes, um, you see where that would come down in terms of, uh, in terms of the majority. Well, I, I can tell you how it'll come down. It'll be just like Bush versus Gore in 2000. And that's exactly what happened there. And they, they kept doing the recounts in that state because uh, the Bush was claiming election fraud, and because we had all of these Republican precincts misreporting, talking about hanging sheds and all these things, Bush ended up taking Florida and thus the presidency. And it could go that exact same way with Trump. It can, and you're seeing a GOP consensus. Um, they're, they're basically 
arming like 50,000 people to go and screw with the polling places on election day. And they're going to be contesting signatures. And they're going to be doing whatever they can to throw a wrench in the works at all these locations to slow the process down. And um, they're going to hopefully disenfranchise as many people as they can in particular locations that they will feel will benefit them. And it's so insidious, and they're not doing it for actual verification purposes. We all know that. So the fact that they're able to continue to do so within the confines of the law is really unsettling. It is. The irony that they keep throwing the term election fraud out there is almost mind-blowing. And that's exactly what they're trying to engage in, is just election interference. Yeah, I guess you can't call it fraud. What they're doing, yeah, they're doing election uh, runaround, and it's it's just a, it's just one way of basically taking votes, making them count less, making other votes not count at all, making the one of votes that you want to count count the most, and taking the election. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty scary scenario. It is, and it's hopefully not one that we're ever going to have to see come out, but we do need a lot of people to be on the right side of voter access between now and Election Day. So there needs to be a concerted effort on the left, because the right is not going to do it, in terms of making sure that there is easy access to the polls, to mail-in ballots, uh, which we're seeing people, you know, losing access to one by one, state by state. So we got to make sure that those things are still in place. Yeah, it's important for everyone to get out and vote and make sure that uh, the, the law is being upheld. So Yeah, and, and you have some elections like uh, Amy McGrath, who's going to hopefully try and unseat Turks McConnell. Um, there's gonna, it's going to bring some people to the polls on both sides, so that's definitely going to have an effect up-ticket as well as down. Yeah, um, McConnell's got to face a... Amy McGrath, right? She's, yeah. she's kind of a moderate uh, moderate Dem. Quite so, and a bit reluctant candidate at first, um, but once she got into it, she started getting so much money, like over $40,000 or $40 million um, just in the primary fight that she had against uh, Charles Cooper. Now, he was the black guy who rose to prominence, and he was a serious candidate in a hurry. Um, but it just wasn't able to be bore out in Kentucky. They weren't able to get it done, and he might have had just too late of a start to be able to get a victorious campaign in that primary. Yeah, uh, Amy McGrath is, uh, last I saw, she's only polling one point behind uh, old Mitch. Um, She is the exact kind of candidate that could dethrone McConnell, which would be almost as big a win as dethroning Trump. Uh, getting McConnell out of there has been something that the Dems have been trying to do for the, the better part of my adult life. And this would be a huge one if you got a moderate Democrat woman in there who's able to come out, get the left-wing votes reluctantly because they don't seem to love her on the left, and get some of those moderate votes and maybe some of those right-wing votes who are tired of McConnell and these lifelong senators and actually take that seat in Kentucky. But I think what you're looking at with someone like her and her quote-unquote popularity is the national perspective of her, whereas it's probably just going to come down to the people in her state, right? So um, in 2018, that's what you saw, or that's who you saw make the biggest inroads in elections were moderate women uh, liberals. 
uh, they were the ones who attracted the most people and were able to center the ship as as much as possible while unseating incumbent Republicans. Yeah, I give her the best bet. Even though it is Kentucky, I still think that she's got a good shot. But um, she trails him by one point, so we'll see where that goes. That's pretty wild. Um, so COVID, am I right? Yeah, <laughs> that's still going on. Damn, it really is. Um, just absolutely crazy. Um, you have all these states reporting new highs, and uh, Florida just had like what I think it was like eleven thousand, eleven hundred, five hundred thousand. 11,500 11, <laughs> new cases uh, in one day. Um, now, Trump is accurately stating that the death rate and the mortality rate is falling, but it was falling at a higher pace earlier on in the week. I was watching on the New York Times little ticker they have. It started the week at negative 30% against the previous 14 days. And by yesterday, it was down to negative 19%. So that is what we would call going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, Trump, at least he's started to tout masks again. I, I don't know where this guy stands on masks. He doesn't wear one. You know, nobody at rallies wears one. But he actually endorsed masks one more time. Um, Finally. I because did. he said he looked like the Lone Ranger. But Who wears a mask on his eyes, not on his mouth. Right, exactly. So but, take uh, that for what it is. <laughs> maybe he meant ninja. He wants to be a ninja. Um, cool. Do, yeah. I mean, do, is that going to change anything, though? Are his are these people who are uh, down with the mask type people who are uh, still diehard Trump supporters, are they going to suddenly start wearing a mask because the guy had one speech where he endorsed him? No. So what you have, though, is you have senators like old Turtz McConnell and uh, Mr. Abbott of Texas, who are now finally saying and getting on board with the science and saying that if we want to stop this, there's a proven 70% reduction in transmissions by just putting something over your stupid mouth. Yeah, it's a And that's basically all they're asking them to do now, but it's too little too late because the horse is out of the barn in a lot of these locations. But it doesn't mean you can't start doing it. It just means that your endorsement of this practice is disingenuous at best at this point. And so when Trump does it, he is the epitome of disingenuous. And his supporters can see right through it. So they're like, ah, he's just doing it to blah, blah, blah. I know he still doesn't care about it. And I don't either because I've been on that side of this argument this whole time. And I'm not changing now. I'm not going to change now. Yeah. Tom Hanks said it pretty well. Uh, it, it's pretty sad that the people of this country can't follow the simple guidelines that a third grader could follow. <laughs> yeah. Tom Hanks has been great, man. It's glad, I'm glad has Rita been. Wilson's husband has uh, recovered well. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that... Uh, we still have him because not just as a, a treasure in our acting catalog, but as uh, he's really a great man. And a lot of people suddenly have a negative viewpoint of him and they hate Bill Gates and like whatever else. But when all <laughs> this is over, these are still great men and they're doing great things for our country. So sorry guys, but you B can, Bill Gates is not installing any nanobots into your blood. So you can, relax. but you can see him as a bad man because computers have done bad things to people and that's how they can view it. But Tom Hanks has not done a bad thing to anybody, and they know it. So they're going to have a tough time coming up with an argument against that dude. Uh, will they? You think? I don't know. It's <laughs> the, the amount of, the lack of knowledge, I should say, that has been going on in the Republican Party just in the past, 
Okay, so I recently learned that in uh, 2008, three quarters of the Republican presidential primary candidates said they believed in evolution. In, mm. in 2012, it was down to one third of them. Mm. And in 2016, there was only one. Only Jeb Bush said he believed in evolution. That's insane. We are taking information and literally removing it from people's minds as time passes. And they all happen to be on the same side of the aisle. Right. And not just that. They're actually removing it from textbooks and they're removing it from governmental websites. If you look at Texas... uh, Texas textbooks, they are not like the rest of the country. And if you look at um, the governmental websites in terms of the EPA, a lot of that really important information has been wiped away since Trump's taken office because it is inconvenient to his end goals. Well, the end goals, I think, is to disinform. I think it is, uh, he's been misquoted as saying this, but like making the conservative party, making the right wingers dumber and disinforming them intentionally is to the benefit of the people in power of that party. Absolutely. I mean, knowledge is not power to the populace on the right. It is actually a dangerous thing to the institutions that they've <laughs> fallen in line with for so long. Yeah. And I don't think uh, Trump himself, you know, withstanding, I don't think most of the people on the right working in politics are idiots. I just think that they're trying to train the population to be idiots because they're easier to manipulate. Well, you just got to hustle backward just enough to keep the status quo alive. Um, So the disinformation is important and then the mistrust is what follows. So you're not going to have anybody believing information. They're just going to believe what their heart tells them. And that is all learned behavior through your environment. And the cycle continues because nobody's informed in your environment. Right. Everybody mistrusts anything they hear, so they believe what they want. And that by just all you have to do is vilify a few of the uh, credible media outlets. I'm not saying CNN is the most credible media outlet out there, but they've basically turned them into uh, some kind of a joke news show that everything is a lie on. And... by doing that, you are actually alienating people from actual facts, actual truths that are happening because CNN is a legit media source. They're every bit as legit as Fox and more. Every single measurement out there says that. Yeah, well, they definitely say that they are more informational and factual than Fox News, but also they don't they don't edit out the news the way that Fox does. Now, Fox can say they're factual on what they cover if they want to try to do so, but that's because they only cover so much. Yeah, they, and they, you're right, and they, they have a good, uh, a good methodology of spinning something directly from a news story into like an opinion guy talking about mm-hmm. that story. And there's really no break in between there. It's just that the line is blurred. So you kind of heard part of a story, and now you're hearing a guy give his opinion on this story. Yeah, they stopped covering the newsworthy portion of it a long time ago in the segment. Right, and now people are just hearing a guy uh, shout his opinion, and they're like, well, this is facts. It's tough, and it's a tough road to hoe because people are living in the silos of information that they already are so entrenched in. Um, So it's really tough to break through to those people unless you're going to shout on the street at them when they go by in the trucks. Right. I mean, most of my hometown, you know, it's a complete echo chamber. They live in a bubble there that, that no one is going to infiltrate. 
They, 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 you can't tell them anything wrong about Trump or wrong about the right wing or they definitely can't hear that liberals have ever done anything right. So what are you going to do? Yeah. And, and just like the, the Confederate flag thing, I mean, people are always just amazed to hear how much momentum that kind of stuff has in places like you're talking about in rural Ohio. And I try to tell them, Lynn, you know, Trump country starts like five miles outside of any city. Like it's it's country out there and <laughs> it's country everywhere. Yeah. And they, they completely can't stand Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco. They talk about all these cities like they're all full of morons. I'm like, have mm-hmm. you been to any of these cities? Because I've lived in a couple of them that you just named, and they're pretty great, and they're pretty affluent. Like, well, I heard there was just piles of shit all over the street in San Francisco. Like, well, no, that's absurd. That is not what happened. San Francisco is gorgeous. It's amazing. It's progressive. You should go there and learn something. It's true, but at the same time, it would it would turn their head to understand that there are people without homes that aren't going to the local religious mission to find help because there isn't like a one-to-one charity basis in that town uh, where there is in a small town. Uh, you know, it's just different kind of environment that they would they would definitely be in awe in in many different respects. Agreed. And they're all the people who aren't wearing masks. And I think eventually there's going to be outbreaks in all of these rural areas, so... There certainly is already, and it's just going to be worse, and we do have to keep an eye on those ICU beds that in some cities have gone over 100% capacity in the last week, and uh, the death rate, which, like I was saying earlier, has started to creep back up, and um, I don't think this week's celebrations is going to help that in any respect. No. Um, All right, so let's wrap it up with anything but politics and virus news. (laughs) I would love that. All right, so if you were lucky enough to be at the right gas station in a Detroit suburb on Monday, there was an Amazon driver named Derek Lancaster. And this guy left his truck full of packages, open and abandoned, and tweeted out the location. But you had better have gotten there fast because this post was retweeted over 26,000 times. Lancaster said the final straw was missing his sister's birthday party after he showed up late to her graduation because of his work schedule. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And I hope that everyone was able to take part in that guilt-free because Amazon can afford it. (laughs) They can cover the bill. Yeah. I wonder what kind of stuff was in there. It was probably myriad, right? I mean, you get some undies, you get a... A bath bomb, and you, maybe you get a TV. Right, yeah. You, it's kind of a crapshoot because of the box. But, I would definitely shake it. Weight is better, um, but it could have been a bag of sand. Right, because you don't know which. Yeah, exactly. And maybe, <laughs> they sell everything. Maybe you don't have a chance to get weight. You just grab a box, you come home, and you have a, like 50,000 Q-tips. It's very possible. Those were probably mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, wait- I'm still waiting on those. <laughs> Um, we got a return of a, a childhood favorite of mine coming back. I used to love watching Beavis and Butthead growing up. They're coming back? Oh, yeah. You haven't heard about Beavis and Butthead coming back? No, I haven't. Yeah, uh, they are getting a, a reboot. On MTV? Uh, I, th- I think it's slated to run on, let me see what network. Uh, the, what it's what makes be, me right? optimistic about it is that Mike Judge is going to be involved. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't trust anyone else. So No. 
No, but hopefully it's like almost the same format. Okay, yeah. Was, I it, I want like video music video reviews and stuff. It is going to be on Comedy Central. Um, okay, all right. So, but yeah, it's going to be definitely a better place. I haven't watched MTV in a long time, but that's certainly yeah. That's why I wasn't. I was like, I don't think I saw uh, it was MTV because does anyone really watch MTV at this point? But um, yeah, I guess it's going to be slightly tweaked. It's going to still. You know, kind of point it stupid, but at this point they have to be part of Gen Z now instead of Gen X. What is that going to look like? I don't know, but I'm sure they'll still be obnoxious and I'll still have the nostalgia. So I'm definitely excited to check that out because, uh, like I said, I, I just trust Mike Judge. So if he's yeah. involved, then I'm, I'm all for it. I am too. I mean, now that you got me a little interested in this because... They were very emblematic of the slackers that I was very familiar with in the 90s. So now to have them possibly personify the, um, I guess, just, what would you call it, disenfranchised youth of today? Yeah, I, but we were disenfranchised too. That was part of the entire grunge movement. But it would be... But this new style is something we have not seen before. Oh, no. I mean, they're going to have to have phones and stuff. The other, I mean, what are they going <laughs> to... They're going to redo uh, Beavis and Butthead as a couple 40-year-olds. That would actually be funny, to be honest. Well, my thinking is it's just going to be three Stuarts sitting on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> you know? A bunch of blah MFers. So what, I'm hoping what, uh, they still have fire. What shirt fire, did Stuart wear? Fire. Winger? Winger? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Appropriately so, yeah. Oh, and I didn't God. even know who the hell that was back then. But, you know, I did after in retrospect, I saw the show. it was perfect. Oh, yeah. So I'm pretty excited uh, for that to come back. That'll be interesting. All right, we'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Um, now, you know that we're still trying to have a baseball season, and we're still trying to finish up this NBA season to give LeBron James one more championship, even though you're seeing more and more people drop out in a, on a, you know, an independent um, individual level, either because of coronavirus concerns or because they want to keep their eye on the prize of racial equality. Mm-hmm. Um but right now we're going to have a little bubble dry run in Columbus. Uh, I think that's going on like either this week or next where they're going to have the um, really brilliantly named The Basketball Tournament return for its second season. Uh, yeah, they're, they're doing the, uh, the dry run in Columbus or in Ohio for sure. But uh, some of the guys like, like Jared Selinger's involved. So, uh-huh. Joe Johnson, the jo- perennial Johnson, underachiever. Jordan Crawford, another underachiever. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that'll be something interesting. Uh, I, I love how they're calling a basketball bubble, but I guess that is what it is. It is, hopefully. I mean, now you're seeing some bubbles that are working and some that aren't. I was seeing a MLS bubble that was charging like $45 for a turkey sandwich box lunch while they were in their quarantine. A baseball bubble? Yeah. Um, okay. I don't know if they're I don't know if they're gonna be able to have a bubble. But the NFL <laughs> certainly is not word is losing all meaning to me right now. <laughs> we got the basketball bubble and the baseball bubble. We got the double bubble. <laughs> that would be for baseball, of course. Um, the bubble boy. Bubble boy. Bazooka um, Joe bubble. Bazooka Joe, he is in the bubble. Or he is the bubble. Um, but seriously, like, 
you got people who are only going to have to quarantine themselves and their families or whoever they allow in for a very short amount of time. So this, the basketball tournament, is only like a couple weeks. Right. Um, and the NBA season, if they would have done it right with 16 teams instead of extending it to like 22 so that Zion could be in it, that would have only been two months or something like that. And if you're given everything you need and you have private chefs that are in the bubble with you and, and your trainers and everything you could possibly ever require for the sport to be completed, just make the sacrifices necessary to your lifestyle for that time being. And I could see those as being actually doable. But when you want to talk about the, the people and the personnel that are necessary for an NFL team to travel or get their things done, it's exponentially larger. I don't see how anything like that could ever happen you know without some amount of infection and spread and uh some possible negative um consequences oh it's like triple the people like uh, triple the equipment everything is just so much with with basketball it's easy to move around so nationwide arena though uh hopefully a close driving distance that's in the middle of columbus ohio if you're interested in coming to see the bubble <laughs> yeah, are, I don't know. Are they allowing fans? Uh, I, I, you know what? I don't know. They didn't say. They actually didn't specify. But uh, well, I'm sure let's hope will, not. Yeah, they shouldn't be in the uh, arena, right? Right. Um, the, I don't know if we're there with the social distancing yet. Um, I did see that in baseball that they were allowing season ticket holders to. Um, upload pictures and for a nominal fee you could have a cardboard cutout of yourself in your season ticket seats <laughs> which was pretty awesome yeah we t- think- didn't we make this joke like three months ago them filling up the stands with cardboard cutouts yeah well that's when they were taking the sex dolls out of the korean baseball seats <laughs> <laughs> but now they've moved on to a more sensible solution and i think yeah we were on to something very similar so that's cool, but I mean, if yeah, I think for right now they're finding it really hard to safely do it. Now, if it's in Trump country, they'll say pack it to the gills, nobody gives a shit. But these people actually play in the metropolises where people aren't down with that stuff. Yeah, um, and I'm hoping that if uh, they do come here, they they don't bring along a a giant crowd of people outside coming to see these guys. Um, because guys like Jared Selinger, he's got a pretty big following here still in Columbus as a Columbus, Ohio State player. So Right. Um, yeah, but that'll be cool. Any kind of sports right now is cool, man. We just talked for like seven, eight minutes about the damn hot dog eating contest and who the greatest mm-hmm. hot dog champion of all time is. Like, <laughs> And I, by, I'll do it again, damn it. If we have no more sports, I'm going to start following the Professional Eating League. <laughs> I want to get on that because I didn't get to see any Megatoad. Yeah, well, I thought you meant you were going to get on it in terms of starting to participate, which isn't a bad idea either. It's a good way to get your meals. Well, my, my 4 to 8 hot dog projection is not going to get me on that circuit very quickly. All right, but <laughs> let's maybe make it a point to try and have a hot dog eating contest between the two of us, like maybe within the next month. You really wanted to do a hot dog eating contest? I just called you out, didn't I? <laughs> I mean, you kind of called the me out. The gauntlet is tossed. But I didn't exactly talk myself up like I was going to win a contest like this. I sort of laid down the 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 pathway that I was not a strong competitive eater. <laughs> I don't know that I am either. I think it would just be interesting <laughs> to see what happens. You're calling out <laughs> Glass Joe and Mike Tyson's punch out right now. 
<laughs> well, we both might barf, so we both lose. So well, I would love to find out. <laughs> oh, I will undoubtedly barf if I go the full distance. There's no way, nice. no way I'm I'm holding onto that for a, a later evacuation. Forget it. Sounds <laughs> sounds like we're gonna turn this into a video clip for the audience um, sooner than later. Um, but yeah. So I think that's going to wrap it up for today's show. We talked about a lot of the same crap. Hopefully we'll have some really cool, positive stuff to talk about. But if not, we will definitely uh, talk some shit about Donald Trump in about seven days. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So, um, yeah, to everyone out there, uh, I hope you had a happy 4th of July. I hope you were safe. I hope uh, nobody blew up any of their fingers because 10 fingers is cool, man. So, uh, yeah, uh, you guys take care and I'll talk to you next time. Oh, and I just in a parting note, I wanted to say a melancholy happy trails and a rest in peace to my homeboy from high school, Patrick Harbison, passed away earlier this week. Oh, sorry. And uh, yeah, love you, buddy, and uh, we'll see you when I get there. All right, see you, everyone. Later. <laughs>